Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. WFAN Sports Flash. Brought to you by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Got some drama. Game 5 here in the World Series. Bryce Harper just got hit by a pitch, so... Two outs and a runner at first with the Astros clinging to a 3-2 advantage on the Phillies. Bottom of the ninth with the two outs. Ryan Presley trying to close this one out with a five-out save. He was able to, able to wiggle out of trouble in a first and third situation in the eighth inning. And the Phillies were able to scratch across one run on the Gene Cigar RBI single but get no further. Jeremy Pena homered. He had an RBI single back in the first inning. Your Dan Alvarez with an RBI ground out. That's the three Astro runs. Kyle Schwarber homered back in the first inning off Justin Verlander, who went the first five. He was able to settle down after a rocky start. He got out of a bases loaded jam in the second inning as well. So the Astros, a 3-2 lead on the Phillies. Bottom of the ninth, two outs, and Bryce Harper at first. Nick Castellanos at the plate. What are we feeling here, Marco? What do you think? Uh, I think the Astros finished this off. This what, are you, a- what are you rooting for? I'm not rooting for anything. It would be really cool if they both lost. Yeah, I want to see Philly go down. <laughs> you know what? Him. I'll take. There's one shining light for me, Dusty Baker. Yeah, I would that's like to true. see him get his ring. That is true. That's the only that. thing I got going in this one. This, Phil, this would be devastating for them. Lose two straight at home where they've been on fire, and knowing that you're going to have to win both in Houston, they're done, and they lose this one. And then on the other side of it, if the Astros a three-one lead in the eighth inning, if you blow this one mm. after blowing the five-nothing in Game One, how can you come back even though you're going home? You, you gut feel though, right now. I gut feel. I still think the Astros win and this game, too. and they win the series in six. Me too. And I should have stuck with my original prediction, which was Astros in six. I'm trying to stole you so we can get one more pitch. <laughs> Let's see if we can get the live update in here. Well, we got the Presley on the O2 count. We're not supposed no, to. No, you can't play. do. But yeah, come on, didn't you not. learn that? from Mike and the dog with the Yeah, NCAA. but then there's different ah. and pitches away. All right, we'll come back. <laughs> Eagles off to their first eight. I'll be here all night. We got five hours. We're not going anywhere. What do you mean we'll come back? We got time. Eagles <laughs> off to their first 8-0 start in team history. They dispose of the Texans 29-17. Jalen Hurts, a couple more touchdown passes. Philly remains the only unbeaten team in the NFL. Now, Kyrie Irving stops short of an apology. Nets have acted. They suspended him at least five games without pay for failing to unequivocally say he has no anti-Semitic beliefs. This was Kyrie earlier in the day. I respect all walks of life and embrace all walks of life. That's where I sit. I think what people want to hear, though, yes or no on that question. Yes or no. I, I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. All right, quick update on this. You got Castellanos with a 2-2 pitch now, so the Astros still up 3-2, bottom of the ninth, two outs. Ryan Presley gets Nick Castellanos, and it is still a 2-2. We'll see if we get this before my lockout. Yeah, come on. Let's go, Drake. We want to make sure the music doesn't run out, Marco, and you can get the update here. I got nothing left. And I'm Fleeks at 70 seconds. 70 hey, seconds. another one in the dirt. Can this guy throw a strike? Well, he's also... He Who's up next? That's what I want to know. Uh, I got the box score here somewhere. Uh, Give me a sec. Baum or Hoskins? 
Bomb. Bomb. Okay, it is bomb. He's got a couple Please of hits tonight. It. So Presley would have trying for his first... You can't do play-by-play play I know so that. Let's just I'm, pretend. You I'm know what? Kill let, the music. Please. I'm letting you know that he's trying for his first five-out save did, of did the season. Did you hit the ID? Did you do all that? Did we hit the the the, uh, the, the legal yeah, ID? Yeah, that's All right, so we got right. everything in there. I was going right, to say, so he got his fleas out when I don't Sal know. Sal Licata here, Marco Belletti, bringing you the non-play-by-play you version. You song, Sal? No, you don't have to hit that. Who cares? They know who I am by now, and if they don't, screw them. <laughs> well, we got five hours to get you know you, Sal. <laughs> exactly. Oh. And that's going to uh, do it. I think that's it. Go on, Philly! It's over, baby! Down goes Philadelphia! Yeah, you know what? I know I'm pathetic, a pathetic, sad Mets fan. But at least the Phillies didn't win the World Series, Marco. I know it's too early to say that, man. Watch me jinx it again. If the Phillies right. escape, I, hey, how about this? Hey, mark the tape. The Phillies are done! The Phillies are done! It's over! The World Series is over! There's no way the Astros are losing both in Houston. Good night, the lights, Philadelphia. It was a fun little run. And who takes the loss? Oh, baby. Did you see that, Marco? Who got the L? I see that. It looks like Thor took the loss in this one. Little the, Noah Syndergaard. The pitcher formerly known as Thor that wants to run his mouth. The three-inning pitcher that he's become. Who was that? McCormick made a hell of a play on JT Realmuto in that ninth inning right there. Up against the wall with one out. I mean, obviously, that could have changed things. That would have been right in front of Harper who got hit by a pitch, too. Not an easy play right there. Yeah, I, and I was saying this, and I tweeted this the other day. I, I can't help myself. I mean, I, I found myself not rooting against the Phillies because they seem like a likable bunch. But you know what? Now that they're on death's door, screw them. It's over, baby. Down goes Phil. I love those unis. How I was going to say uniforms? the blue uniforms are really nice, though, aren't they? And that color hat. What would you call that? Or the helmet, too. Uh, is that maroon? Well, yeah, maroon. There you go. Maybe, right. The maroon and blue. This now, Pena kid is a stud, huh? He's ridiculous. He had a play that, too, on coming up on charging on a grounder, able to make a throw. I forget who he got, but if somebody had speed, he was able to do everything in this game. He's been able to do everything all year and in the playoffs. Did you see this stat? First rookie shortstop to hit a home run in the World Series. I had no idea that that was it. Who would ever think that? No, never. First rookie shortstop to ever hit a home run in the World Series? I mean, granted, how many teams go to the World Series with a rookie shortstop? But still, that's an impressive stat. Once again, Sal Licata, Marco Belletti, bringing you the non-play-by-play of Game <laughs> 5 of the World Series as things just ended. Let's go down to the field right now and welcome in Michael Fliegelman. Fliegs, you were down there on the field. What's your feeling as the Phillies have been now sent on the brink of elimination? Thor, not so mighty. <laughs> Thanks, Fleeks. All right, Marco. Let's wrap it up here with the post-game show, the non-play-by-play version of it. Can so I just, this is over, right? I mean, I is, think it's over, yeah. but I will throw one thing out there. If memory serves, didn't the Nationals go back to Houston down 3-2 and win both games? Did they? In Houston? Yeah, they had Juan Soto. Am I crazy? Story. I don't recall, honestly. I mean, I remember that series. Yeah, Did, I think the road game won every uh, Right, every game of that series, right? So they had to. So they won the first two, lost the next three, and, and then went back, back to Houston there? and won the next two, yeah. I, I think I'm, you might be right. And I bet the Nats, and I still don't, I might forget it. I, I blame the pandemic. My memory's most. How about Verlander picking up the win as he finally does the job first in the one. World Series? Yep. getting the first, He was 0 6, right? 0 6 with an ERA over 6. He gets his first World Series victory. You knew law of averages, it was going to bound to happen at some point, but. You have to give him credit for this one in Philadelphia against that team. Yep. I was I was hesitant to go all in on Verlander. All right, well, there you have it. World Series Game 5 comes to an end. Syndergaard takes the L, and the Astros go back home to Houston, up three games to two, looking to wrap it up in game number six. Who's pitching in that one? Valdez versus Wheeler, right? Correct. 
which I don't understand. They gave him the day off tomorrow. They right, pushed they pushed it. back. Yeah, but when do we ever see that? You usually get a rain out and you just go through. Now they right. gave them a day off that they weren't supposed to have. Probably because they, to... they like it on the weekend, right, for TV purposes. Why would you want a game seven on Sunday against football? It just seems hmm. odd. It seems very odd. But it's the first time I can ever remember plenty of rainouts in the World Series that they said, you know what? You lost your day off. We're going to give you a different day off. I've right. never seen that before. Do you before. think they did that maybe to build in case another weather issue? I don't know. I But me personally, my memory, granted, is like oatmeal. But I don't remember ever a series you get a rain out early, you play five, six days in a row. That's just the yeah, way it works. You're right. It was weird that they push the other games back. Usually in the series, they just play the game yeah, there on, the, on that day. You got you no know, travel day. Right. Suck it up. So now off tonight, and like you said, game six resumes Saturday. The other day, I had the Astros in the series in six before the series. Then I'm watching the Phillies in game three, and I'm saying, and I tweeted this out, this series isn't going back to Houston. Mm. And now here we are. The Astros are going back to Houston to wrap it up in six. Hey, look, anything could happen, and I'm partly joking about my hatred toward the Phillies and that they're dead. But they're not coming back from this. Down three, they had to win this game. They lost two in a row at home. We're unbeatable. The one thing I'll say, though, is again, Valdez, if you can get to them in game six, they're, they're going McCullers in game seven, who's right. obviously not on his game. And who knows what right. the Phillies figured out with the tipping pitches and all that nonsense. McCullers in game seven, I would not feel good if I was a Houston fan, even though you got Javier probably on three days rest to piggyback him. You wouldn't feel good with McCullers starting that game. And you think about it with Wheeler going game six, that's maybe the hope for Philadelphia. <laughs> So you know the results of the World Series. Phillies go down. The Astros get the win. They go up three games to two in the World Series. And game six will take place Saturday night in Houston. We'll get into your calls on that and whatever else is on your mind in the world of sports, of course. And we have to update now. Uh, 877, by the way, 877-337-6666 is the number to call. We have to update now the Kyrie Irving latest with him. And during that break, I was just looking at social media, and I find that Kyrie Irving has finally posted an actual apology on Instagram. If you're trying to follow along with the story here, Kyrie Irving met the media and embarrassed himself further by not apologizing and just handling it the complete wrong way yet again. Never flat out denied that he was uh, anti-Semitic. Um, he is just, obviously, every which way. The Nets handled this the wrong way. Kyrie is just a complete disaster. After working with the ADL and donating money, they still then rejected his money after the way that he did not apologize when he met the media. This after Sean Marks holding Kyrie back from speaking to the media for a couple days to basically get their ducks in a row and go out there and handle it the right way. And then what does Kyrie do the first time he's in front of the media? He acts like a baby and clearly shows that he didn't understand why what he did was wrong and why people had such an issue with it and wasn't going to be forced into an apology. Then the Nets promptly suspended him again, too little, too late. But they said, you know, a five game suspension and basically that he is not fit right now to be a part of the Nets organization. The exact quote was, uh, we are of the view that he is currently unfit to be associated with the Brooklyn Nets. So, again, five games at the very least suspension without pay. Then that statement, which makes you think that Kyrie's days with the Nets are certainly numbered, and as they should be. I mean, it's one thing after another. Will the Nets just save further embarrassment and move on already from Kyrie Irving? I know that you want to win at all costs, and the guy's an immense talent on the court, but he's been nothing but a problem off of it. And... 
the way that he's handled this situation is the prime example. You know, Kyrie said, again, like I said today, I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. Instead of just saying I'm not anti-Semitic, I apologize. Anyway, then after all of that, now this, and I'm not sure exactly how long ago. I'm just following along with some of the tweets. Ian Begley of SNY, who covers both the Knicks and Nets for SNY and SNY.TV, He was posting about this about 10 minutes or so ago, so I'm assuming it was in the last 20 minutes. Kyrie took to Instagram and posted something that basically should have been his apology from the beginning. And I don't have to read the whole thing here word for word, but he basically, well, not basically, I'll read this part of it. To all Jewish families, and this is from Kyrie Irving's Instagram, uh, Instagram post, to all Jewish families and communities that are hurt and affected from my post, talking about obviously the post that he promoted that you know hateful movie or documentary um, that was offensive to Jewish race and religion. Um, Kyrie goes on saying, to all Jewish families and communities that are hurt and affected from my post, I am deeply sorry to have caused you pain, and I apologize. I mean, geez, was that so hard? Like, I don't understand. Why couldn't he just say that after the fact? Not that that would have excused everything, but at least it would have made people say, okay, you know what, he's remorseful, and I get it. But then he goes out there today, days later, a week later, and acts a fool. And now this, where a lot of people are going to say, you know what, screw you, Kyrie, too little, too late. By the way, I'm looking at the time now of the post. It was 11.55, so this is fresh now, about 20 minutes ago. Uh, Let's pick it up here. I initially reacted out of emotion to being unjustly labeled anti-Semitic. Instead of focusing on the healing process of my Jewish brothers and sisters that were hurt from the hateful remarks made in the documentary, I want to clarify any confusion on where I stand fighting against anti-Semitism by apologizing for posting the documentary without context and a factual explanation outlining the specific beliefs in the documentary I agreed with and disagreed with. I had no intentions to disrespect any Jewish cultural history regarding the Holocaust or perpetuate any hate. I am learning from this unfortunate event and hope we can find understanding between us all. I am no different than any other human being. I am a seeker of truth and knowledge, and I know who I am. Now, that is well thought out, well said, and I hope Kyrie did it, not Kyrie and a bunch of different people. And Kyrie's smart enough to where he could do something like that. And I just don't understand why it took this to get to that level. Why is he so angry? Why is he so quick to shoot down people and not take accountability initially? This was all that he needed to say from the beginning. That apology to me, that was... That encompassed everything that I wanted to hear about A, accountability, and B, about somebody understanding why what he did was offensive and why he needed to apologize or clear the air and speak from where he's coming from. Obviously, it's inexcusable to promote a documentary like that, but the way that he just said it with a deep apology here And also taking accountability for initially reacting out of emotion to being unjustly labeled anti-Semitic. That's where then the frustration comes over. So he posts that thing. Everybody says he's anti-Semitic. Now, obviously, you would think the same thing with the post, right? It's hateful toward Jewish people, Jewish religion, all of that. 
So what what are people supposed to think? That documentary is offensive, anti-Semitic. He posted it. He stood by it. And then after being labeled that and he feels unjustly, then he starts acting out of frustration and emotion. Instead of realizing, okay, well, this is why people took it this way and are labeling me this because I did this. Well, now at least he's showing some accountability and talking about clarifying any confusion on where he is in fighting against anti-Semitism and apologizing for posting the documentary that he did so without context. It's just, it's, it just never, it just doesn't end with this guy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened here? Trying to lower the volume here on the TV. The sound went on. Anyway, it just doesn't end with Kyrie Irving. This, to me, should have been the apology initially, and we would have by now started to maybe move forward from this. The other thing that's at play here is that this is not a first-time issue with Kyrie Irving. This has been a repeated thing. Not this specifically, but an issue nonetheless. It's always something with Kyrie Irving. And if I'm the Nets, and, and look, you could take the apology, you could accept it, or you cannot, and hate Kyrie Irving forever, I would understand it either way. You could at least look at this and say, hey, at least he seems to somewhat now be getting it, which clearly is way better than the way that he handled himself, where he acted out of emotion and then really ticked the Nets off in the process to where they say, right now he's unfit to be a part of this organization. Suspended. That's it. Suspended basically indefinitely, at least five games. And I'm assuming the Nets were going to give him a chance to do something like this. And maybe Kyrie felt instead of being pushed to apologize, he wanted to do it on his own. Either way, a lot of damage has been done. And, uh, you know, to the earlier point, I get wanting to win on the floor, which, by the way, the Nets haven't done anyway with Kyrie and KD. But at some point, you have to have some self-respect as an organization and let Kyrie Irving become somebody else's problem. I'm not saying Kyrie doesn't deserve to ever play in the NBA again, and I know that he will. And he'll get a second and third and fourth chance because of his skill set. But if I'm the Nets, now the Nets have embarrassed themselves along the way here as well. If I'm the Nets, I say, thank you for the apology. Finally, it's long overdue. You're, You're staying suspended, and we are going to move you or move on from you. That's how I would handle it if I'm Brooklyn. They need to start respecting themselves as an organization. The problem is they're not going to do that. They want Kyrie Irving there because they think they can win a championship. They're going to bring in Ime Udoka, who talk about respect. I mean, how can you respect that guy for the allegations against him and what went on with him? Not even allegations for what he did to get himself suspended. I mean, think about it here. It is a, as we said earlier in the week, a three-ring circus. They're an embarrassment of an organization. And there's only one way to clean it up. Josiah has to sit there and realize that, hey, I don't I know this is going to be painful. And I know it's not going to be easy to move on from a player of this caliber. And I know it's going to hurt our chances to win an NBA championship. But this is the right way to move forward with this organization. And if KD don't like it, he could go too. Time to start over. The Nets have sold their soul to try to win a championship with KD and Kyrie. And each year, it's gotten progressively worse. 
to a point now where I don't see any way out of it other than moving on from Kyrie Irving. With this apology, maybe that changes things from the Nets' perspective. If Joe Sy had any self-respect and wanted to bring that organization back to respectability, the first step would just be parting ways with Kyrie Irving. I mean, you saw it to a certain extent. Now, they're all different examples, but you saw it with the Atlanta Falcons just recently with Calvin Ridley. Now, he got himself in trouble for gambling, which obviously is not legal if you're an NFL player. And the organization decided after he got suspended for a full season, they decided that they didn't want to wash their hands with what was a problem, a talented individual, but a problem. And you get back a third round pick and a fifth round pick for Calvin Ridley. You're losing that trade because he is a first round talent. He is a top wide receiver. However, the organization can sleep at night knowing that, you know what? We got rid of one problem here a guy that was problematic and did something that we don't want to be associated with anymore. And now Calvin Ridley, he's Jacksonville's problem. Now, he may be great there, but he's their problem, and Atlanta could move on without the stain of Calvin Ridley and his wrongdoings. That's what needs to happen with the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving. It's long overdue. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Your official station to talk Yankees. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. On the fan, 877-337-6666 is the number to call. So I've said my piece on Kyrie Irving and got you up to date on the latest. If you guys want to call and discuss it, I'm fine with that. If we all want to move on, I'm also fine with that. Whatever it is you want to discuss now on this football Friday, we'll get into the Jets and the Bills. A big game for Zach Wilson. Try to bounce back from his poor outing last time. Can the Jets shock the world Sunday at 1 o'clock? Against the Bills. I know every Jet fan, as excited as the Jets were a week ago this time, going into that Sunday game against New England, that's how down they are this time going into this weekend. 
not feeling like it's possible that they get a win. Maybe the Jets can shock the world. We'll find out as that to me is, I mean, I looked at this slate. Eh, we're not looking at great matchups here. You, know, you look at the week nine slate now, and you had it getting started last night with a uh, not-so-great matchup, although it was more competitive than maybe most people thought. Uh, Eagles beating the Texans 29-17 as Jalen Hurts and the Eagles remain undefeated now on the season 8-0 and for Philadelphia. They have, look, I don't love the Eagles. Uh, hard to argue that they're the best team right now in the NFC. I mean, they don't have a loss, so... I don't put them on the Bills level. I don't put them up there with the Chiefs and maybe not even with the Dolphins. And honestly, I think that there are teams in the NFC that are better or will be better long term. I trust the Niners more so. I think Dallas is better. But the Eagles right now, 8-0 and in first place in the NFC East. So we'll see if, uh, you know, Dallas can keep pace. Well, Dallas and the Giants both have a bye this week, as a matter of fact. Um, But just looking ahead, seeing what uh, can happen there. We know the Giants don't play the Eagles till later in the year. Eagles already beat the Cowboys without Dak Prescott, and that's obviously a big difference maker. Just look at over the Week 9 slate, though. Atlanta and the Chargers, all right. Bears in Miami, eh, that one's in Chicago. Uh, Bengals looking for a big bounce back against the Panthers. Eh. Detroit and Green Bay, eh. New England, Indianapolis. Eh. Jets, Bills, that's the, I mean, to me, that's the premier game. At 1 o'clock, you get the Commanders and the Vikings. Eh. Jags and Ra- boy, this is a Jags and Raiders. This is a dreadful week. I'm not even watching the four o'clock game. Screw that. I don't, I'm doing something with my wife. I have no idea uh, what we're going to do, but I'm not sitting there watching these four o'clock games. Seattle and Arizona, Ra- even the Rams and Bucks is a dreadful game. And then Chiefs Titans Sunday night, Ravens and Saints on Monday. These are there are not good games at all this week. Atlanta and the Chargers might be the second game that I'm interested in. You know, you get Atlanta leading the NFC South. The Chargers, obviously, with Herbert. Can they you know, get back on track here and continue to try to keep pace in the AFC West at 4-3 and three now and maybe pull away further? Them and the Chiefs looking to pull away further from the Broncos and the dreadful Raiders there. And what everybody thought was, oh, look at that AFC West and all the quarterback play. Weird how it works. And now after eight weeks, you, know, you could start to see a little bit of separation. Anyway, not a, not a great slate for the Week 9 games in the NFL. 877-337-6666. Sean is calling from Selden. What's up, Sean? Hey, how are we doing, Sal? How are you, Sean? Absolutely great. Yo, great show. Love it. Um, uh, my original point was on Noah Syndergaard, but just to comment on the uh, the Kyrie thing really quick. Mm-hmm. Don't you think his entire, his entire statement is completely reactionary? You, you know, you said you hoped that it wasn't him and a team of people. But that is the the money arm of the Kyrie Irving operation. It's a team of people that are trying to level with him and be like, listen, you need to step back and completely go into apology mode here. There is no way. If you look at his Twitter, right, people want to just just talk about the one post. If you look at his entire Twitter, it is schizophrenic, religious psychobabble. He's giving himself nicknames and and proclaiming himself as a leader of a movement with several different followers, the the the, the post itself was not the issue. the The real issue was his descent into madness. Uh, I think that well, there's a couple of things there. I, the post was offensive. That's what got him in trouble in the first place. 100% now, now what, what what led to the 
next few parts, that was the way that he mishandled the situation. And I think what causes that is not necessarily a mistake, but a mindset. Kyrie Irving, his problem, and I'm look, I don't know him to know that he's uh, hateful or not, or anti-Semitic or not. I know what he posted was hateful and anti-Semitic. I know that. But he, Kyrie Irving is saying he's not, and I don't know him. I don't care to know him enough. I, it's just not my not my business. But I do know this. Well, hold on, hold on. Let me just finish for a second. I do know this, that he, if he had the right mind frame, would have said right out of the gate, holy crap, I'm so sorry that I offended people. I didn't realize, you know, I was looking at this in a different way. Whatever the, now look, there really is no good way to get out of that. I mean, you post that and then you, you understand what the thing is that he's posting the documentary. It's hateful and offensive. So, but he can at least show, save face a little bit by apologizing truly from within. The issue was he didn't think he did anything wrong or offensive. And that's what led to all the behavior up until the post about a half hour ago, where at least for the first time, now again, I'm reading it, and you're probably right, Sean. It's from a team of people saying, hey, what the hell are you doing, knucklehead? You're going to get kicked out of the league. You can't be doing this. You're going to be costing everybody money. You have to apologize. Go ahead. And they'd be out of a paycheck. Well, right, right. So, so they're trying to help him come up with the statement. All I could do, though, is take this statement, the Instagram post at face value. Now, he's going to have to meet the media again. And we're going to see whether Kyrie Irving looks people in the eyes, he says he likes to do, whether he shows true remorse, whether he really understands it. We haven't seen that. We've now read it, but we haven't seen that from Kyrie Irving. Sal, can I just just one like kind of just uh, a point uh, tied to that? Where's the outrage for for Jeff Bezos uh, allowing a platform? For well, I, I I don't care about Jeff Bezos because I, I do sports okay. talk, so that's a you got to call a different station for that. I, well, hold hold, but, hold yeah. on, hold on, Sean. I, first of all, your phone was breaking up. Jeff Bezos, what is, what team does he run? He, he runs Amazon. I mean, yeah, well, I don't I don't do talk I don't do talk shows on Amazon. I do sports I talk shows. Sports channel, and we don't want to talk about Jeff Bezos. Right, he's allowing the platform for that that movie that was tweeted out to be distributed, but no one is calling for him to be. But Sean, again, you you're you're calling WFAN New York, which you know is a sports station. That's why I'm talking about Kyrie Irving because he is a professional athlete. I don't know enough about Jeff Bezos. I don't give a crap about Jeff Bezos or Amazon or what his tweets are. I don't care. I care about sports. I barely care about Kyrie Irving. I care about the sport that he plays. We we got that in common. So my original point was on Noah Syndergaard uh, as a Mets fan. Uh, for him to uh, kind of just just really act like such a child in uh, in, in acting like this, like just disregarded girlfriend. Uh, no? Okay, you, you can't say that. Obviously, it took me a second there. I hit the wrong button. I needed to dump that. And again, I know you didn't mean anything by the uh, by dropping the you know a curse word there, but you can't do that. Um, but your point about Syndergaard is well taken. And, you know, I ripped him on baseball night in New York yesterday at six o'clock and I ripped him, I think on the radio show yesterday morning and I will continue to rip him. Here's the thing. I don't even have any feelings towards Syndergaard anymore. He makes me want to hate him because he keeps running his mouth for no reason. What did the Mets do to hurt Noah Syndergaard so bad? They offered him the qualifying offer. They expected him to take, I mean, this after not even pitching. He pitched what, one inning? He didn't even pitch. They offered him an $18 million qualifying offer. If you ask me, I think they went above and beyond.
He didn't feel loved enough. He felt disrespected. I don't know what his problem is, but I don't care. And for him to continue taking shots at the Mets, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It is childish. Let it go, Noah. Like, move on. We all did here. The Mets moved on to bigger and better. You ever hear of Max Scherzer? I mean, come on. You're, you're nothing compared to Max Scherzer. And I say that with all due respect for what he did in 2015 and 2016. Noah Syndergaard was dominant in 2016. Specifically in that wild card playoff game. He was terrific in the 2015 postseason. There was a reason he earned he earned the nickname Thor. He was great. Met fans loved him, myself included. But guess what? He's not that guy anymore. And he left the Mets. The Mets didn't leave him. He left the Mets to go to the Angels. And then he went to run and hide where he didn't want to face the Mets. Then he gets traded back to Philly. And, you know, he's running his mouth with taking little jabs, whether it's about a no-hitter, whether it's about loving Chase Utley. Like, he's a scorn. You're right. He's a scorn lover. And just a, a child. Like, get over it, dude. Not only that, you suck now. And maybe that's the problem. He knew that he could maybe go to the soft landing spot with the Angels and not get called out and work his way back from injury. And he actually didn't look awful last night in his three innings of work. Far cry from 2016 going toe-to-toe with Bumgarner. Noah Syndergaard, three innings in the World Series, gave up two runs. Three-plus as he gave up you know, the homer to Pena in that top of the fourth. But Syndergaard, I, I, I just, like, let it go. He's obsessed. And he's probably going to become a relief pitcher. Because I can't imagine he's going to be stretched out to be a starter where you're basically using him for three innings. He's a shell of his former self. And he's holding that against the Mets? Doesn't make any sense to me. Eli is calling from Washingtonville. Good morning, Eli. Hey, good morning, Joe. Listen, man, uh, I have about this Kyrie Irving thing. Listen, I think this guy's like the Kanye West of, of, the, of the sports world. Like, both of these guys, I don't know, like, they just don't think like like regular people. Well, I mean, they're the A. They're not regular people. We're all humans, but those guys are not regular people because the attention on them, because of the money that they make, because of their fame, it's hard to consider them regular people and hard to understand where they're coming from. But certain things are black and white, and you know, with Kanye, and I'm not getting into the details of what Kanye West did because, to be honest with you, I as much as I used to love Kanye West and his music, and you know, the special on Netflix and, and all that. I don't even have time to keep up with all the BS that Kanye is is doing right now and all the hate that he's spewing and the bipolarness that is going on with him. I mean, I, you, you can't keep up. And I don't know all the details, so I'm not going to speak on it, but I do understand the comparison here where those two guys are just, I mean, it's just not making any sense. I certainly can't comprehend it, and maybe that's why you're saying that why can't they just be like regular people? Well, A, they're not, and B, for whatever reason, they are not seeing things the way that we see them, where their obvious hatred toward a certain group is on full display. Yeah, you're right. But listen, my, my other point, uh, listen, I think general management, sports general management is like a lost art in New York. So what's happening when it comes to, like, uh, the front offices of, uh, of, of teams, like, 
the New York Yankees are in a disarray right now. Uh, so the Giants, uh, you know, they kind of, uh, you know, got got it on the right track, but for a while then they, they didn't know what coach or what what uh what GM to hire. The Jets could have a quarter, can't get a quarterback to Joe, Joe Namath, and, and they, 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 the Mets now are kind of with a new owner, kind of you know riding the ship. But I don't understand these teams like it's like the Knicks, no Knicks. Your phone line is horrible. I got to let you go, but I do think I understand the idea of the call. And it's funny because I was thinking of this the other day, and we might have discussed it on the air, but I don't remember. But I was thinking of the other day where you these organizations are filthy rich, right? Money that you or I will never. I mean, we we could imagine it. It's Crazy that we all live on the same planet, but the reality for certain people, the people who own those teams and the players on those teams, the people who run those teams, the money is, it's like a fantasy world to the majority of people. So I'm thinking you got these billion dollar sports teams. They hire these front office executives for millions of dollars. And yet I truly believe that I could do better than some of them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know how to sugarcoat it. I truly believe that when it comes to... Now, look, there's certain things like the salary cap. I'm not getting caught up in that. I'll hire somebody to do so. But as far as competently running an organization that is not a complete clown show, both on and off the field or on and off the court, whatever it may be, on and off the ice, I feel confident that I would be able to run a, a organization that does not embarrass itself and makes the city proud. Like, I don't understand how it's so difficult. And I do think a part of it is because some of these people that they hire are not in touch with reality. And we, the sports fans, the consumers of the product, the media members, are... Living in reality, the reality with the rest of the world, not on that level where they are and they look down and think that they know more and wouldn't respect whatever we're saying. It's there, There's a clear divide and disconnect, but yet they're the ones that are making the millions and they're the ones that continue to embarrass themselves. Like, how does that happen? How does that continue to happen? The answer is that you have at times... Very, very, very rich people who are very, 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 very stupid. That's the truth. I'm not going to name anybody individually. I mean, you do the math. You've seen it plenty of times all across. I'm not just talking about New York. I'm talking about in sports in general. You, you've seen the poorly run organizations. You've seen the bad owners. You've seen the bad owners hire inept general managers who then run the organization into the ground. Now, everybody's going to make a mistake, whether it's player evaluation or a managerial uh, you know, mishire, or you think this GM is going to be the next best thing and he's not. But as, as often as these guys miss and as often as they don't get it and embarrass the organization, it to me is it's startling that people who have that much money can be that 
freaking stupid. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Just do it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit superbook.com. On the fan, 877-337-6666 is the number to call. We are thrilled to be joined by a special guest right now and somebody that I was looking to have on at some point during the playoffs, but I didn't want to really bother him. And then I was thinking, well, I don't know if I could have Nick on because I'm afraid he's going to go nuts and maybe curse on the air. But you know him, of course, Nick Totoro, who is a tremendous actor and a diehard New York Yankees fan. And Nick, it is a pleasure to be joined by you. How you feeling now? Not only, we'll get to the World Series in a sec, but how you feeling where we're you know a week or so removed from your Yankees getting swept away? Well, I feel you know uh, confused because I don't even know where we're going. I mean, it was an up and down year. We had a first half that was unbelievable and a second half that was uh, almost a disaster. And now we got the whole Aaron Judge. Uh, tragedy. So I, I don't know what's going to happen here. I really, I mean, this whole Cashman boon, and I don't know if, you know, uh, Judge, if he's got hard feelings towards uh, what Cashman did. If, if that's true, that would be very sad. I, I believe in my heart that he wants to be a Yankee. I mean, I don't know how you can let this guy go because, you know, we haven't developed a nobody, and he's somebody we developed who maybe arguably is one of the best players, if not the best player in the game. He's the face of the team, face of the franchise. He's not the problem. There's a lot of things that are wrong with the Yankees. I mean, I can name a few. I mean, they got to become – I've been saying it for years. You cannot win with a right-handed hitting team. And whenever the Yankees won in the 70s, in the 90s, they were always a lefty team. Always. And you know what but they just- did, Nick? You know what they did? I want to get to judge with you and then Cashman and Boone, but you just reminded me of something. After they went to Game 7 of the ALCS in 2017, 
That was the offseason they traded for Stanton. And because they traded for Stanton, and at the time I hated it because it was, to me, redundant with Aaron Judge. But after they made that move, they took themselves out of the Bryce Harper sweepstakes. Imagine Bryce Harper, whose father grew up a Mickey Mantle fan. Bryce Harper and that left-handed bat in that lineup for the last four or five years. You, you don't got to sell me on him, Sal. I, I've been a big Bryce Harper fan for years. He was begging from what I hear, from what I understand, he was begging to be a Yankee. With his swing, with his trajectory, I mean, how could you, you know, you're right. They, nothing against Stanton, but they clogged that team. And, and you know, they, they kind of clogged them with the two big boppers. They thought they were going to have the Twin Towers with mm-hmm. McGuire and maybe uh, Conseco. And uh, it, not that it's been a total failure, but, you know, if you would have gotten Harper, the dynamic of that team would have been so different. I mean, they passed on him. They passed on Machado. They passed on this kid Castillo they didn't get. Went cheap with Montas. They don't get Soto, another lefty. I know he didn't do that great, but he's still a stud. And we bring in a washed-up Donaldson, and we throw money at that guy. I mean, the moves that are made, I mean, Beto, all right, has turned out, I love the kid, but there's been so many bad moves, and you just go, and then they want a penny-pinch judge. I mean, they could have locked this guy up. They had him cheap for all these years. I mean, I just don't know what's in his heart. Like, Jeter, you knew Jeter was going nowhere. But if this if this guy goes, it wouldn't look right for him. It wouldn't look right for the Yankees. I mean, I think it's a, a mistake on both sides. But I don't even know what's going to happen. I can't tell you. What what happened to the Yankees? I grew up hating, Nick. These are the lovable losing Yankees. They don't blow away everybody else as far as spending the most money. Do you know the last time they were in the World Series and won it in 2009, their payroll was not only number one, it was $50 million more than the next team, who happened to be the Mets at the time. Now they're third, and they're right there with everybody else, kind of the top five or six. They're not spending or going out there and being as aggressive as they used to be. That's got to hurt you as a Yankee fan. Oh, it does, because, you know, it's not the same. They, I think they're more of a business. I think they're more of a corporation. I think they're, the bottom line is, yeah, they, they're competitive. Yeah, they have a very – but they're like a sexy a woman that gets you all excited, and it never pays off. And <laughs> – you know, I think, I think, you know, it's just, it's a shame that we're not about building a team that has a good, look at this ass, I can't stand them. But they lose Correa. They lose Springer. And they don't miss a freaking beat. Cole I mean, as well, I, I right. I it with the Astros, but I can't stand them. I'm even rooting for the Phillies. And it looks like they might take it now. So, you know, that's a good organization. Something is not right with this organization. And I'm just, I'm not the only Yankee fan. And I'm not saying people should be fired, lose their jobs, but the philosophy of this team has to change. I mean, where is how? Does this guy, does he have it in his bones? Is he, is he just a businessman? I mean, he needs to sit down with Judge and say, look, what, is it, what do you need? Whatever happened, happened. I don't know why they put that contract out there. That was dumb. Uh, I want to hear what Cashman has to say. You know, oh, it was a fair con. Come on, man. You know, I mean. Two hundred thirteen million. I mean, I I thought it was disrespectful myself at the beginning of the year, and now he's going to get probably a hundred million more than what they offer. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, listen, I don't see him playing with the Giants. I don't see him in that uniform. I don't see him as a Dodger. That was. It's not a good look. He. I mean, 
but I don't know. Well, you know, let me ask you, you though, Nick, because we were talking about this, and we're talking with Nick Totoro, of course, great actor, famous actor, and a huge Yankees fan, and I love the videos. They make me laugh every time I and see them. And don't worry about me cursing on the air. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. do that. <laughs> just, man, <laughs> no, you just I curse just in the videos, <laughs> which is tremendous. So let, let, put yourself in Judge's shoes, right? Maybe he's a yeah. little bothered, and I'm with you. I think that you use common sense. He, he wants to be a, a lifelong Yankee, but... He also wants to get paid what he feels he's worth. And if the Yankees don't come up to his number, then what do you do? So let's just give a hypothetical. Let's say the Yankees. All right, so say you're, you're, say you're negotiating. Right. What do you think is fair for Judge right now? $40 million a year? Right. Okay, so somewhere around that. I was going to go overall total, right? You want to do $40 million a year? That's fine. Uh, he's 30 years old. He finally stayed healthy. I think he was a little burnt at the end of the year. Uh he just looked to me like he was just, I don't know. You know, he was a little depleted. I don't know if he was worn down. I don't know if he had checked out. But it just seemed like he was on fumes on let, some level. Let's but say. Like saying, how let, many years are you? All right, well, let's say. You, I think you look at it seven or eight years. Let's say from the Yankees' perspective, they look at it and say total value around 300 million bucks. So you could say that seven times, what, 45 a year? Or if you want to go up to the eighth year times 40, you're looking, I mean, it's a little bit more than that. But let's just say the Yankees sit somewhere around 300 million bucks. And then the Giants or another team comes in and says, we'll go up to 340. Do you, if you're the Yankees, go up to 340 or 350 to get the deal done? I think you got to do whatever you got to do to keep them. I, I really do because, listen, if you lose him, you're going to lose a lot of fans. You're going to lose, you know, that guy, 99, what he represents right now, he's the one guy that you want to go see. He's the one guy. He just broke Roger Maris's record. You know, and, and any of these guys that have left, pull holes, a disaster, a mistake. Even Strawberry said when he left New York, Mm. Let me tell you, years ago, how good Strawberry was. Right, to go to you the know, Dodgers when he first yeah, left the Mets. it was the biggest mistake of his life. So, for him to leave just for money, I mean, Cano, yeah, all right, he was he left for money, but he's I not know, but judged. Nick, but you're, talking about not for, but you're talking about 40, 50 million bucks. Let's just say it's 25 million. And, we, you know, calls are like, oh, what's the difference? You're making 300 million. What's the difference of another 25? Listen, they gave, they gave Cole all this money, and Cole's not even what we thought he was. And they went after him. You're not. You're going to let this guy go away? The guy that you developed, the guy, the one guy that panned out, and he's a superstar. So you know you, what I mean, you wouldn't blame Judge then for taking the most money, but you want the Yankees to come up to whatever the best offer is. Yes, I want the Yankees to say, "Listen, whatever the number is, we will match it. Right? We will match it, and we will we will keep it, and then we'll make you the captain, like everybody's been saying, which is really a no brainer." Um, and then I mean, what? The guy, what about Cashman and Boone? You you want that? I mean, they're both going to be back. It sounds like and they're meeting the media a little bit later on today at noon. You want them both back? I I personally think it's time for a change, but I don't think that's going to happen. You know what I mean? I, I just I just think that some new blood, some new philosophy. Look at some of these guys that have come in and and what they've done. David Dabrowski, other people. You know, they got rid of you know and made changes and. Sometimes you have to because they haven't built a team to win. They've built, like, a good team, but they haven't been, like, a great team. You know what I mean, Sal? They haven't been a great team for a long time. All right, they, they win a- the division, they make the playoffs, and they get bounced. I mean, it can't, yeah, you gotta they get, get bounced. got to get to a World Series, and it's clearly that but, whatever their philosophy is is not working. 
No, it's not. It's not. And it's about winning titles. Listen, they got one token title, 2009. And then they broke that team up right away. Uh, and then, you know, it was the last one, 01, you know, when they lost, you know, the 2000, they beat the Mets in 01. But, you know, it was never the same 2003, all right? They, they should have won that series, but they didn't. But they haven't really done much. They haven't done much. I mean, I, I don't, you know, yeah, they win. But every year they get bounced out, and now we, we get bounced out by the Astros. And the Astros were, they're beatable. They are, but they know how to win. They know how to win. And, and you know, we don't have a great team for the postseason either. And you know, the- we're a strikeout or nothing team. We've been this way for a long time. 17 was a good story. And we've kind of gone downhill since 17. Yeah, well, they have not been back as far as they were. I know they got back to the ALCS again in 2019 and lost low in six games. And obviously this year, Getting swept. All right, Nick, what's up with you? What, first of all, who is White Claw Gabe? <laughs> well, White Claw Gabe is, he's been with me for like 25 years. He's my wife's first cousin, who I kind of fell in love with a long time ago. Very funny kid. Very different. Very special in a certain sense. And uh, my son has kind of made a star out of him. You know, uh, he's, he's great. He's, of, he's great on social media. He's hilarious. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And he has a huge following, like college kids, high school kids love him. He's become a Jet fan, which is kind of funny. <laughs> it kind of blew up when he was cursing about the Jets. <laughs> and, uh, and then my son said, you know, you got to come up with an identity. And he was drinking these White Claws. And um, so he named himself. The funny thing is, White Claw has never reached out to him. He's one of the biggest guys on Cameo. So, like, if you want to roast him, every day he's roasting people on Cameo, it's He's really, truly, he's even funny just when he's Gabe. Oh, White Claw Gabe is really, I mean, these social media guys, uh, I've kind of joined the world a little bit on TikTok, and it's a, it's a, it's a funny world, man, because, you know, there's, there's a bunch of guys out there that I've gotten to meet now because White Claw Gabe is everywhere and Little Mole Mozzadell. There's all kinds of guys out there. You guys are um, hilarious. I, I love the yeah, content. They're funny. They're funny. Yeah, they're really funny. And what are you so, doing? What What are you up to? Are we acting? I'm or what? what are we doing a movie in, a, in Philly right now, and I'm driving back late, and uh, I, I, I just was listening to you on the radio. I says, hey, let me give Sal a call, catch up a little baseball with the World Series, you know, winding down. I says, let me, uh, let's shoot the, you know. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I'm thankful that you did. Do you remember when we first met? You, me, and I was walking with Malusas. We were walking back Malus. from, yeah, we were walking back yeah. from brunch on the Upper West Side, and we ran into Nick in the city streets. It was great. Yeah. I know Upper West Side, and uh, I remember when I met you guys. It's so funny the affiliation I have with a few of you guys, JJ, Johnny. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've become good friends. I used to be connected with uh, Beningo. And uh, even Francesa, to a certain degree, I love Mike. I listen to Mike's podcast after each playoff game this year. Phenomenal. I mean, one thing about Francesa, he lays it down like a savage. The best. And the best. And he's the best. He. I mean, I listen to Russo every day. I'm, you know, MLB. You know, I'm a junkie. Yeah, but apparently. I, Jeez, I, how do you take it all in? Before about like some of these guys running these teams. I'm like, I almost feel like if they gave me a job as a, some kind of advisor. You know, I could almost bring more value than some of these analytic nerds that are ridiculous, you know? so yes. Can we run our own team? Insane. Nick, I'm with you. I mean, that is exactly right. Don't you feel like these guys, they're paying millions of dollars and they just don't use common freaking sense? Because they don't watch the game with their eyes, Sal. Stunards! They look at numbers. And, and I'm, I'm so happy that the shift is going away and all this other junk that's ruining the game. 
I just leave the game alone, man. Everybody's always trying to change it, change it. Leave the freaking game alone. Yeah, it's gotten worse, unfortunately. Oh, it really has. It's so watered down. They're talking to people in the dugouts during the game. Get out of there. Stop being hokey. <laughs> All right, Nick, I appreciate you checking nice in. Nice talking to you, Scott. I'm going to put you on hold. Fleegs wants to say goodbye. Thanks for calling in. Nick DeToro, of course. I love Nick DeToro, Marco. You've, it was oh, great. Oh, God, come on. Yeah, right. He's great. He's awesome. Moose and I were walking back from brunch. He was coming to hang out at my place. I forget what we were doing in the city that day. And we see Nick DeToro. He's like, hey, guys. And he knew. I don't know if he recognized Moose or both of us. or what. We obviously recognized right, him. Right, And then we started just talking up a little bit. And then, you know, learned he's a huge fan and... You know, heard him on the air for years, and have had him on Die Hard Yankee fan. You watch his video? Oh yeah, of course I have. Oh my god, he speaks the best. for every Yankee fan yes. in like the heat of the moment. That's what you want. You're yelling and screaming at the top of your lungs. You want you're ready to throw the TV out the window. That's exactly what it is. He's got that raw emotion that we all have. I wish I could do that. I, I I'm a professional now at this point, so I can't get away with stuff <laughs> like that. But I, not so much here, but for TV, maybe fly for the radio. But I mean, Nick's taking his shirt off. He's cursing this bleeping guy. How does he go to this reliever here? I love it. Yeah. That's oh, tremendous. tremendous. And what was your favorite movie from Nick? You have one? I mean, uh, I know Brucey from the from not the Waterboy, uh, Longest Yard. Yeah, that that was a good one. Um, I mean, he's had a bunch of them with Sandler. He, What's the one with the? Uh, uh, see, now my memory's shot. The the one where he's the firefighter. Yeah, uh, with Kevin James. Oh, there Chuck you go. And Larry. I, I now pronounce you. Chuck there you and Larry. go. Yeah, Chuck that's and Larry. what I was so looking I for. Thank one. you, yeah. Fleeks. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to pull up his uh, IMDb here, and I know he was on NYPD Blue, right? That was like his big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I also ran into uh, where the hell is the his full page here? I also ran into his brother. Uh, He's John Tatora, yeah. right? And I saw him. It was in Montauk. As a matter of fact, I might have been with Moose. Moose and I have to keep having these run-ins with the Tatoros. And his, I don't know if it's getting a little sister. upset here. I don't have any of these invites hanging out on yeah, the upper yeah, west this, side. Yeah, with this, you is, and Moose. this is years ago. Well, this was out in Montauk <laughs> many years ago. His who who's who played Janice Soprano. Is uh, that their it is their sister. I know. I think it's their cousin. It's or the sister? cousin. I thought it was their sister, but I could be wrong. Right. So, it's Ada Turturro. I know that. Oh, right. Exactly. So she was with John Turturro, and we ran into them on the beach. And I'm like, hey, oh my god, whatever. <laughs> and then I tell him, oh my god, I loved you in Mr. Deeds. And he's like, that's what you remember me for, <laughs> Mr. Deeds. This guy's like one of the great actors the I was world has say, ever out seen. Out of all the, the the things, I mean, it's like, oh, your your feet. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, at up? least if you went with, like, you know, Jesus from the Big Lebowski, at least, you no. know, it's a, it's a memorable, like, it's a bit role, but it's a memorable what bit role. What year was that? Because I would bet over the years, uh, like, they realized the people who play roles in the Sandler movies realize more and more you get recognized for that just because of how consumed they are on a mass scale. Like, there's just... The Mr. Deeds uh, one? I, yeah, that just I don't remember. Sand, Sandler movies, everybody well, that was, like, what, 99? No, it had to be... Was it later than I don't that? remember. Big Lebowski was 98. That one I remember, but I, I couldn't tell you what year uh, Mr. Deeds was. I'm looking Nick Totoro. Oh, here comes the boom. He was in that one, oh, Kevin yeah, James. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Longest Yard, as we said. NYPD Blue. That's what Mr. it says. Mr. Deeds was 2002. Okay, 2002. So I probably saw... I would say that I met... Uh, his bro, Nick's brother John, on in Montauk. I would say after 2010, somewhere probably around then. And the first Still, thing I said, "Oh my God, Mister yeah. Deeds!" By 2010, I mean, how many I Coen brother Deeds. movies has he been in, and all that? I, I mean, I, I like after the fact that was probably, that was even after he played Billy Martin. Remember when ESPN did that show? Oh yeah, I loved oh, it. Yeah. Uh, Bronx is on fire. Or yeah. Bronx is burning. Bronx is burning. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. great. Yeah, and it, like after the fact, I realized, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have. Led with deeds there, but that's the first thing I thought of. <laughs> and you can, I'm telling you, you could see the 
not like he was he was cool, but it was just like that's what you remember me for. <laughs> you know what? It's got, he's he's right. I, I gotta know. be fair. He's right. That's the kind of thing. There are plenty of actors I've heard say you can tell a lot about a person or a fan by <laughs> what is the go-to role they mention you for. Uh, I mean, he was in. And listen, he class. would have been right. That's right up Sal's alley. The Adam Sandler movie, of course. That's, right, what that's my think personality. Of. I mean, yeah. I dressed up as the wedding singer to go to the stupid concert last week, and I had a great Which time was, doing it. That good pictures, by the way. Oh, you like I, that? Yes, that's that was a good job. I know they were making fun of me, Carton and Roberts, but I really don't care. I'll dress in well, however <laughs> I want, whenever I want, and I had a, me and my mother had a great time with it. Um, See, I'm, I'm not gonna. Lie. I would think of the Coen Brothers movies, all the ones that he did with that. I mean, that's the first thing that jumps into mind. Also, Quiz Show. That's what I think of John Turturro. So. I, um, maybe he'd feel a little bit better talking to me if he ran into me, but I'm not allowed to hang out <laughs> with Sal and when, uh, outside feet, of the building. When Feet came back in John Turturro's career, the night of that HBO show. Oh, I love that one too. You no, know, I didn't see that. That I, I, I don't remember, but I loved it. I, I got to go watch. I knew. I remember JJ telling me that All years those ago. Are good. Wait, was that? Yeah, I never got back to it. There were multiple. Of yeah. those, or is that a one-time I think it was, that was the one-off. That was the one that James Gandolfini was supposed to star in before he passed, and John Turturro took the role, and the character had the problem with his feet. The night of, yeah, he was excellent. and I mean, he's excellent in everything that he does. I'm just trying to look and see with, uh, what else I should re- I should have He's really from. good. If you guys watch uh, the ben Stiller show, Ben Stiller like, helped produce and direct Severance on Apple. John Turturro is on that. Phenomenal okay. show. Oh, you know what Rounders, I loved him in, too? Probably... You know what? Rounders? Yeah, that's right. Uh, that was an Kanish. excellent movie. Rounders, I remember being like, I couldn't sleep after watching that. It was on one night, late night. I saw it. And I was Tremendous. Like, oh, my God, what a great movie. You know what I loved him in? Monday Night Mayhem. You ever see that? No. That I don't know. Are you familiar with it? No. It's where they do the, it's behind the scenes of Monday Night Football. He plays Howard Cosell. Oh, I do. I, you know, I didn't see that, but it I do was, remember I that. It yeah, might yeah, have yeah. been a TV. Okay. Um, yeah, it was a made for TV movie. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I lo- remember the, the commercials now. I loved it so much. I have the uh, the DVD of it. I love that That's old, that right? That's a while ago, isn't it? 2002. Yeah. Well, that's 20 years ago now. Oh, Jesus. I know, Christ. I know, but it's 20 years, years ago. 2002, I was like, yeah, what was that, like four or five years ago? <laughs> yeah, right. 2002 on my mind is like new age. <laughs> 20 yeah, years yeah, ago! 20 years ago, self. My God. Right, Rounders, that's a great one. He got game, he was in that. Mm. Um. Anyway, all right, there's plenty there. I love it. Yeah, why not? It's great. Get a little call from Nick and uh, and talk some Yankee baseball. Say, you got to go back and watch all those Coen Brother movies that he's in. Now, wait, he's in a million of them. I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the Coen Brothers. Really? Yeah. Oh wow, that's that's some of my favorite stuff. Uh, and when you say that, I'm thinking of the well, I mean, they did the brothers or the yeah, those are different. Uh, Coen Brothers, that's different. <laughs> right. Those are different people, different brothers. Um, Again, it shows you what type of person I am. Yeah, now Coen Brothers, I mean, the Big Lebowski. That's one of their, you know, uh, I'm familiar with that. Right there's there's a bunch of them in there that I'm trying to think of what he was in. The one with George oh, dude, Clooney, Raging Bull. He was in Raging Bull. Oh, you're th- Marcos thing of Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, he was in Raging Bull. Now, I yeah. Can't, I've seen that eight million times. I don't remember the role that he played in that. Oh, maybe it was because it was. I'm looking, looking at it now. Uh, obviously, that's a popular movie in 1980. It was uh, just a, I guess, uncredited role. Okay, I was going to say I don't remember him in that, but that, I mean, oh, so I again, remember I seen it in him a while. In that. Okay, good. Uh, I'm trying to see which one I would embarrass myself with, but yeah, I haven't. All right, so give me your movies again now. The oh, ones Brother, Where Art Thou? That's a Coen Brothers. Uh, like I said, Big Lebowski. It's a small role, but it's okay. a memorable one. Uh, I'm just surprised you haven't seen any of the Coen Brothers. I mean, he wasn't in it, but Raising Arizona's uh, one of theirs. The uh, the one that they won Fargo best is there. Fargo. They is won theirs. best picture in 2007. Now, Josh Brolin, the name. No of Country for Old Men. There you go. Oh, That's those I might have. I've, those are all Coen I Brothers. Saw Fargo. They have a lot of different, like, dark comedies. You should oh, no, probably wait, wait, check wait. in on those. Oh, wait, I get Fargo mixed up with Argo? What Argo is different. That's Argo's Ben Affleck. Argo's the Ben Affleck one. And which one was Fargo? 
Fargo is William H. Macy. Nah, you lose him. Francis McDormand. Yeah. Right? She's in that. Which is one of the Coen brothers, I forget, Joel or Ethan's wife. All right. Anyway, I got a fresh uh, brush up on my movies, apparently, with uh, John Tutoro. A lot of IMBD tonight. You want to give the, uh, yeah, why not? You want to give the update this, and all Well, that? this segment is brought to you by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. And Fleegs, what's the, uh, it's WFAN and WFAN something or other. <laughs> oh, there's the Odyssey app, and no, I can't listen, remember the whole idea. You can listen on the free Odyssey app, anything you might have missed. Go ahead, Fleegs. Oh, who's on the phone? What do we got here? It's Nick again. You guys are driving me nuts. Oh, I'm sorry, brother. Nick. Go ahead. Yeah, I know. Well, I met no, him that listen, time, and I, I told listen, him Mr. Deeds. you got to educate yourself and go back and watch, like, Miller's Crossing. Right. Uh, John is brilliant in that movie. It's a Coen brother movie. He's in the weeds begging for his life. He plays this guy, Bernie Bernstein. Uh, and then Barton Finkley plays the writer that has writer's block with John Goodman. The, he won the Best Actor mm -hmm. in Con for that. Uh, that's a, those are brilliant performances with the Cullen brothers. Thank you, Nick. Barton Fink is the one I couldn't think of. I was I was searching my mind. The the fire, John Goodman. I couldn't remember the name of it. You know which one I just remembered, Nick? That I couldn't think of. Anger management. What? Goose Fraba. <laughs> Goose oh, he's Fraba. funny. He's yeah, funny he's, in that movie. He's great. I, I, I mean, he's funny in the Zohan too. Oh, that's right. It's oh, Zohan. Man, he plays the guy. You know, I kill. I kill the <laughs> Zohan. He's hilarious in that. He's and great. Guys, you know what? Monday Night Mayhem. I got a really good role. I played Chet Forty in that. That's movie. right. You were in yeah. that. Too, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. You yeah, were playing played, a crazy director gambling all over the place. Guy, the guy that, you know, he's the guy that developed the look for Monday Night Football. And John had a wig. John was a great Holocaust. Uh, he was a really great Holocaust seller, I have to say. He was wonderful. But it was TN, you know, it was TNT or Turner. So we didn't get all the accolades because sometimes television. Uh, but it was a good feature because they wanted him to be in the Ali movie. And he didn't want to do that. He thought the part wasn't that great and wound up doing. Um, it was a better role because it was more about Howard, Monday Night Man. It was. And for me, a guy who grew up, like, I just love broadcasters. And with Cosell, I wasn't obviously around to, to see it. I yeah. was too young. And, uh, and the funny thing, Sal, was we shot a scene, me and John Hurd, uh, in Yankee Stadium. The original, well, the original, refurbished. Um, we did a scene at Shed 40. And I cut my hairline in the movie. And it was insane. Like, I'd never done that to look older. And then my hair wasn't growing back. And my brother's like, well, what's the problem? What's the problem? I go, I mean, I should have never cut my hairline. Well, what is, what's the problem? I go, I'm not you, man. I cut my hairline. I need my hair to grow back. I was doing a pilot. And the guy goes, when is your hair going to I go, I know. I cut my freaking hairline. I don't know if you understand what that is. And it's, it, you know, you can't fool around with your hairline. And, uh, uh, you were going, you were great in that. Chet Forte had a yeah. gambling problem. You were you were anti gambling. Yeah, that was a really that was a really good role. And there's there's a movie I did when I was younger that had a lot of acclaim. It's a movie in black and white called Federal. Just to let you guys know, you know, you guys were trying to pick up some stuff, but everybody goes right to Mr. Deeds, or my brother, and you know, and Longest Shard. So you know, it's it's hey, so funny. Hey. You could be doing this for thirty years. And people call you, hey, Brucey, how you doing? I'm like, <laughs> right, you can get... <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm not Brucey. I mean, I, you know, if I had a dollar for everybody that said Brucey, I would be, you know. You could buy I'd the Yankees, potentially. I'd buy the Yankees, yeah, I'd be, you know, right. Now, Nick, just clear one, clear one more thing up. A yeah. Ada is your cousin or sister? Ada is our first cousin. Ada, okay. Ida uh, no, is your first. Aida. You got to say her name right. Aida. Aida. And Aida. she's great on that show, by the way. When well, greatest, I mean, come on. show of all time. And, uh, oh. you know, Gandolfini is a... Uh, probably the, the greatest i don't know i don't think i've ever seen a that show without him would have never been the same but i mean everybody was wonderful but he was uh he was just amazing in that show but you're right john did that role where he passed away and john was amazing in that 
the night of. Yeah, you haven't seen it. Fantastic. Now, yeah, is, he, he, is your is your brother a sports fan too, or no? He's a big sports fan. He's a big basketball guy. He doesn't know baseball like me. He's more of a casual baseball guy. But basketball is his his thing. Uh, big Nick fan, and you know he's a season ticket guy. He's, he was a fan when Willis Reed. He goes back to the you know those days. Dave the Busher. Awesome. You know, you know, so John is a he's a good sports fan. Yeah, I mean I I I wouldn't say he's as you know insane as me. Well, I don't know if anybody um, is as you are up there, yeah, Nick. You, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a different case. Yeah, I have to like go to therapy for. It. I, I'm thinking about that could be a really a great movie about that. It has never really been done where the guy is his whole life is taken over by like you know a a team or sports because it has affected me in a lot of ways. Right. They and, had uh, they had one movie years ago, The Fan, but it was about an obsessed fan, right, that wanted to, like, capture yeah, a player. That, that was stupid. That was stupid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that, well, not that it was stupid, but it was more about a guy who was deranged. Right, you know? right. Yeah, De Niro. Um, but you haven't seen, I mean, they tried to do something with Jimmy Fallon, but it was watered down. Oh, I'm I love that about, movie. Fever Pitch you're talking about? You like it? Yeah. I, I did like it. It was yeah. like a, you know, a rom-com. I was in it. I know. Drew but Barrymore. I'm talking about doing it in a way. The Ferrelli that, Brothers, right. Yeah, I'm talking about doing it in a way where it's grounded. Mm. Where, like, your whole life, it revolves around, you know, your days, everything. Hey, and then if you do it, uh, I have an idea where you'd be just driving around and you're listening to sports talk radio on the overnight and you're so obsessed because you're a diehard sports fan, you have to call in to the overnight host. Right. I can play myself if you want. (laughs) I know. My wife's like, don't you ever get tired? I go, no. (laughs) Hey, you're alive, right? Why why get tired? Enjoy every minute. No, no. You know what I mean? I mean, it is an addiction, and it is a drug. You know, and anybody that's a true sports fan, they understand it. Because sometimes people go, is is he for real? I'm like, you don't. I I was doing this way before Twitter. And and the problem Uh, is you can't control it. There's nothing you can do that's going to control the outcome. So you can't buy a championship. If it happens, it's great. Otherwise, it's going to be depression. I went to the fourth game because I thought, well, maybe I could. Oh, you sold a sweep, huh? No, I went and, you know, and there was one play where when they made that error at second base, I told everybody, game's over. And they were losing. Everybody looked at me. I said, it's over. You understand? I said, the game is over. (laughs) And and I was right. I was completely right. They had two hits right after that. Because I know. I see it. I see it with my, I see ahead of people. And people sometimes say, well, you're crazy. I go, no, I'm not crazy. I'm a realist. Yeah, you know what I mean, and I and I see deeper. Some know, people and some people. people can't handle that. And that's, no, they can't handle the truth. no, and and that's the thing about baseball. You know what I mean? That's the thing. I mean, it's been, I mean, it's, baseball will drive you out of your mind. Yeah, out and, of your and, mind. and that's what we're here for. This is kind of like the the therapy for for sports fans. Call yeah. up the radio station and vent your frustrations. So I'm, I just had to clarify some of the tutorial history. Thank you, Nick. So. I appreciate that because I was messing <laughs> yeah. it up. Mark and I was screwing yeah. it up. No, no, you guys, you guys, you guys were funny. Thank you. Guys you were funny. I mean, the John is a. Uh, yeah, he's a genius, and uh, you go see some of the. Uh, you should see a movie called Mac that he directed about my dad. Uh, an older movie. It's a beautiful. It's a great movie. Mac. Mac. M A C. You'll see a young Nick in it too. Okay, all right. Uh, like a funny role in it, and it's about three brothers in construction. It's based on my dad and his brothers, and my brother made it when he was fairly young, and it won a. It also won an award in con too, and uh, uh, oh, the other movie that I was in that was good too. Was the Black Klansman with Spike? Right. Oh, um, right, that was a yeah. recent one. That's right. a good movie. I don't yeah. know if you guys saw Black. Oh, yeah. I did see Tremendous. that. Yeah. That's, that's a good film. That's yeah. a really good film. We'll check. Mac, we have... check out Mac. You guys will love it. We have some homework Mac to do. Is, the Mac is about my dad. It's about the tutorials, but it's about my dad and I'm in. And a, yeah, and Romance and Cigarettes, another one that 
John directed that Gandolfini um, played kind of like my dad. And it's kind of an insane musical. Uh, it is kind of a dramatic musical. and it's uh, The the IMDb um, page for the tutorials is, I mean, it, you need a, a whole book for you guys. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff, you yeah. know what I mean? I, you know, you forget. You know, you, you really, I can't remember. You know when I remember baseball stuff? I really can't. I can't remember. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, people say something, and it's in my body, you know? Now right. I just don't remember a lot. I remember little things. But when I heard you guys talking about the Coens, I was like, I got to tell you, you guys are not mentioning Barton Fink. You're not mentioning, uh, right. you know, uh, Miller's Crossing. I know. You know. But I'll tell you my favorite Coen Brother movie. I, I It's my favorite. And John's not even in it. Um, is Fargo. Mm. I, I got to see I gotta see that one. Oh, Marco referenced that see, before. Yeah, I got to see gotta that. You got to see Fargo. I'm insane over that movie. All right. They Ma- some, they're like hit or miss for me. Mac I, and I Fargo. Those are, those are the two on my oh, list. Fargo is great, man. It's in Minneapolis and all. Oh, it's just. I might have seen it before. I've definitely heard of it. So I'm not 96. Su- yeah. Tremendous. Such a good movie. And you bring up Sandler. I want to say one thing. How insane was he in Uncut Gems? I, I saw it like six times. I, I loved a- him. He was tremendous. Should have got the Academy Award, but, you know, I think they like, because you know, he's a more of a comic guy. They want to give him his due, but man, he was insanely Is great there anybody? I went to see him in concert last Thursday. It was at UBS on Long Island. He's the best. How was it? Oh, it was, oh, are you kidding me? I laughed. I cried. That Chris Farley song that he does? Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, he's the best. He's a, he's a genius. Hey, he's, oh, he is. Yeah. He is. You know, when I, when I did The Longest Shot, I was just like, and you know, he added so much stuff. It was amazing because I didn't have a lot on the page and it get, became more and more and more because of him. The Sandman. Yeah, and I, I mean the Sandman. If he sees you're funny, one thing about it, he will pass you the ball. Yeah, and he'll and he'll, he'll let you shine because he he likes that. You he play hoops with him? him. You ever play hoops with him? I, I played a little bit. Yeah, okay. I played, but he plays all the time. Yeah, you know he's a he's a junkie. All but, right, uh, Nick. All right, Sal. Good. I'm sorry. I just need to clear no, it up. No, no, you're good. You're good. I appreciate you clearing uh, clearing up a few things here. Hey, we got to wait. Making my ride better anyway. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate okay, it. Guys. Of course, Nick Totoro. Checking our uh, messing up of the Totoro history there with the movies. There's a lot. We have some homework. I'm to do, thrilled Marco. he got the Barton Fink in. I'm telling you, it was racking my brain. I was trying to figure. out. I'm like, I could see John Goodman. I could see John Totoro. I could see the. There's a scene towards it with their fire. Like, and I was like, what movie is that? And I couldn't think of it. I knew it was an earlier Coen Brothers movie, and I couldn't think of it. So I'm All glad right. that he so, called for that. So Barton Fink, Fargo for me and Mac for all of us we have to watch? Mac, I definitely want to see. That one I don't know. But anything about the... T- their their yeah. family is so ridiculously right. talented. Honestly, all of them. So that one I'm all in. And it's funny, too. He, he, I mean, he's obviously, he's Italian and can relate to... He's like, you understand? Like, <laughs> it's, it's just the way... <laughs> Right? I vocal was eleven. Now I feel like I'm in the yard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I feel like I'm at my grandparents' house around the holidays. You can't do that. You understand? You understand? Uh, I find myself saying that. Jeez. <laughs> uh, this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 